Hey, Fresh Capital listeners. Happy New Year. To mark the start of a new year, we're talking about Tesla to recap a crazy 2021 where it rose to be a trillion dollar company and one of the best performing stocks of the year. If you want to know the basics of Tesla, we covered that a few months back in a previous episode. In this episode, we're going in depth on the state of Tesla and electric vehicles as well as what lies ahead for Tesla in 2022. Listen and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week, we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn about companies and investing. My name is Dan, and as always, I'm joined by my good merry friend, Albert. Albert, how are you doing? Dan, good to see you. How was your uh, Christmas? Christmas was good. It was a big family affair, 14 people, lots of food, lots of cooking. I was in charge of the pizza oven, so it was a very tiring and stressful occasion. Nice. Got through it. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. What about yourself? Christmas was good. I did the opposite, which is I basically did nothing and my family cooked all the meals and I I woke up at 10 a.m. each day. That's a lie. I imagine my, my colleagues will listen to this. I woke up to start the day at an appropriate time for work. Um, <laughs> but, you know, f- Christmas itself was very relaxed. That's nice. That's nice. I'm still sort of wondering what I'm going to do for the next 10 days because I, I go back to work at 10 January, uh, which is looking a long ways off. It'll go really quickly, but at the moment it's looking a long way off. This is a side note, So, but, you know, for the next 10 days and for anyone listening, over... Christmas period, I got into Axie staking. So, Axie Infinity is a cryptocurrency-based game. And over Christmas, I got into staking Axie. And potentially, Dan, I think you'd be interested in staking Axie if you had nothing else to do. Uh, it's interesting you say that because not Axie specifically, but I have been interested in uh, staking some cryptocurrencies. We're, we're already derailing in the second year, essentially, of this podcast, Albert, into a cryptocurrency pod. But I'll entertain this for a moment, which is to say, uh, yes, I have made some investments in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And one of the interesting things about cryptocurrencies is, you know, as an investment, you can quote unquote stake them, as Albert says, which is sort of like think about putting your savings into a term deposit or something like that. You can't withdraw them for a certain period of time and they earn a higher rate of interest to give you some income. Exact same principle for staking. My cryptocurrencies, you know, I buy them and I don't touch them. So generally, that's that's sort of a perfect reason to start staking because rather than leaving them in the account where they're not even earning interest, by staking them, I can start to earn a bit of a return. So I am interested in that, Albert. I'm just trying to get a day or two clear for me to really deep dive into the mechanics and, and the ways and processes of doing that. Nice. And I think if anyone's interested in doing this, we can talk about cryptocurrency another time, but you don't always get more money when you're staking you get more coins or more fractions of coins and if the price of the coin increases over that time you've staked then also that the value of your crypto increases but if it decreases you just have more coins at a lower valuation but you're right we are derailing and speaking of rails or automotive who are we talking about today dan we're, we're talking about Tesla, but I'm going to take us right back to the rails, Albert, on, on a different note. Because you mentioned Axie and it reminded me, and we, we haven't told 
uh, the pod about this, the listeners. Uh, we're actually um, now producing some content for Self Wealth, and that's where Axie first came up for us, Albert. Do you want to do a quick uh, dive into what we're doing there? Yeah, uh, great call out. You're right, we haven't shared it. So, uh, we've recently partnered with Self Wealth. Self Wealth is a brokerage platform where you can buy and sell, trade the securities uh, on the Australian Stock Exchange, but also in the US. Um, they're one of the, I guess, bigger brokers here in Australia, competing with the likes of Stake, Combank, etc. Um, they've recently engaged us, partnered with us to start producing content. So we've recently written a few articles for Self Wealth, which you can find on their website. We might even link it to our show notes or our LinkedIn, Dan, because I know we haven't been that active on LinkedIn recently. And we've written a few articles now on crypto. Recently written about power rankings in cryptocurrency. I'm not sure if this article's up yet, but Axie, one of the biggest movers in 2021, Axie being the coin of the game Axie Infinity. So definitely check it out. Um, and if you're into crypto, you should check out our Self Wealth X Fresh Capital Content Partnership. Yeah, it's it's uh, a good sort of newsletter we're doing. It's two content pieces a week. And what blew me away of that Axie one, Albert, was I didn't realize what they uh, accumulated what two thousand percent in the year. Is that right? No, more, way, way more, way more. I think if you'd invested a thousand dollars in Axie at the start of the year, you would be up almost $120,000. Well, there you go. But now, moving to a similar rocket of an investment, but a little bit more mediocre, let's say, it's Tesla, Albert. Well, obviously, we've, <laughs> we've talked about Tesla before. Did you just call, <laughs> just call it Tesla a mediocre rocket? <laughs> Compared to Axie, right. it definitely is. Um, but, but actually, I've got some surprising uh, stats in hand to go through in this, this week's episode uh, to put Tesla's growth in perspective. So we've obviously already done an episode on Tesla about two, three months ago. Encourage you to check that out. That's going to be more of the basics of what is Tesla, how does it operate. In this episode, we're going to sort of add a little addendum onto that where we're going to recap 2020 for Tesla we're going to go into their competitor set a little bit more deep, deeply, and then look ahead to 2022 with some predictions. Uh, so, Albert, with that said, do you want to start us off with your little recap of 2021 for Tesla? Yeah, I'm going to kind of preface Tesla first, where a lot of people write about Tesla, a lot of people talk about Tesla, and every year, most people get Tesla wrong. If you read a lot of investment analyst reports, you read a lot of news articles, or read a lot of short positions, a lot of them discuss how Tesla is not going to hit its targets. It's not going to manufacture cars at scale. It's going to be, going to be a company that quickly loses all its cash, etc. And every year, Tesla manages to produce cars, manages to produce stronger margins, better profitability, cash coming through the door. Tesla is one of those companies that seems to defy critics every single year. And 2021 was no different for Tesla. So, really, one of the big key headlines that sticks out, Dan, is 2021, Tesla became the fastest company in the world to reach a trillion-dollar market cap. And they did this substantially faster than Apple, Google, Amazon, etc. And really what underpins that is 
a number of different drivers, you know, the low interest rates, uh, you know, propelling valuations, the big push to net zero coming out of COPE26. But even when you start to strip out some of those macro drivers, Tesla as a company has now managed to produce cars at scale. In 2021, it's managed to open and produce a car from their gigafactory in Austin, where they now move their headquarters. And Tesla is ripe, I think, in 2022 to have a crazy year now that they're now manufacturing cars at scale at a number of different factories around the world. Yeah, and, and just to put those numbers in perspective, they're in 2020, global deliveries was about 500,000 units, which if you think of all the cars in the world, you know, that, that would only be enough to cover about half of Australia. Australia produces about a, a million cars or sells about a million cars a year. So 500,000 units in terms of global deliveries for Tesla, it's not a big amount. By the end of this year, they're roughly 1 million units and projections for the end of next year, 2022, is about 2 million units, which is, you know, big news. I mean, it's, it's doubling and doubling and doubling again. And for anyone who's sort of played that game where, you know, you put two to the multiple of 10 or something, it, it really just increases exponentially very, very, very quickly. And that's the sort of trajectory that Tesla is on right now, which is why so many people are, are naturally quite bullish about their prospects. But one of the things that I wanted to sort of contextualize with Tesla is that they weren't even the top performing uh, vehicle stock in their class this year, Albert. So for year to year, bookend it, Tesla is up about 53%. Um, if I were to ask you, how much Ford Motors is up for the year? What would you expect? Uh, you know, I wouldn't pick Ford Motors as uh, a growth company when it comes to cars. So maybe a couple of percentage points above the overall automotive car market. So what, maybe like 5 to 10% year on year growth. So they're up 137%, Albert. <laughs> what was um, uh, Ford? This is, this is news to me, Dan. I wish you, you hit me with this fact prior so I could be prepared. So, yeah, so, you know, Ford's up 143% over this year. But they started such a low base. Like at the start of the year, they started at, you know, roughly um, 10 to 15 US dollars. So arguably as, as an investment, yeah, uh, a lot better if you were investing on that time horizon. But Well, I, I'm going to cut in now because I'm, I'm not using this to, to beat up Tesla. So good. off your white knight. Good, good, good. Off your white horse. Um, the other stock I was going to mention was Lucid Motors, a bit of a favorite of ours, one of our earliest episodes. Lucid Motors for the year is up about 270-odd percentage points. So I, I'm just using this to say that it's been a big year for EVs, electric vehicles, in the car market generally. One of the key drivers for Ford has been a pivot towards making electric vehicles a key part of their strategic plan. They're hoping, I think, for about 40% of all their car sales by 2030 to be electric vehicles. So like they're really ramping towards the electric vehicle future. And that's why so many people have, I think, jumped on the stock and invested in it. So, you know, while Tesla, I think, is the uh, poster child essentially for electric vehicles, it's been a bumper year for electric vehicle 
electric vehicle manufacturers generally across the board. Yeah, it's so interesting. Do you have um, the numbers for electric vehicles produced by Ford and other competitors who are traditionally in um, ICE, that's uh, internal combustion engine manufacturer? I don't have the exact figures, but generally the Ford has invested you know, several billion dollars into uh, factories and production um, facilities for electric batteries and vehicles. One of the things I was going to get into a little bit later is that the Mustang Mach-E, which is one of Ford's sort of now their flagship electric vehicles, which they're putting to market, uh, is currently cutting into Tesla's market share in the United States. Um, and, and that's just something to watch, as we'll get into in the next segment when we talk about competitor sets. But it's been a big year for electric vehicles. There's now not just Tesla. There's a lot of different brands, all of their own fleet of electric vehicles uh, in the marketplace. Yeah, so good thing about having the internet when we record these, you, you can quickly see. So Ford's looking to increase production to 600,000 vehicles by 2023, which puts them second after Tesla. Uh, so still behind in terms of EV manufacturing, but they're completely different scales of businesses. You think about how many cars that Ford produces every year, the factories that they have around the world. You think about Tesla producing like a million cars a year. You know, Ford could outstrip that in a number of years if they invest in the right places. Exactly, exactly. Well, so this is where Albert, let's let's put some structure over this discussion. So we're talking about the year that was for Tesla, and I've just sort of pointed out that it's not just been Tesla, electric vehicles as a whole have had a great year. Investors, I think, really now understand electric vehicles and, and are willing to invest outside of Tesla into the broader marketplace. There's NEO in China. Uh, there's Lucid Motors, obviously, as well. So as you look at this sort of year that was, Albert, was there anything else that stood out to you as something to note to carry forward with when we think about Tesla? Yeah, two really big things that are probably not related to Tesla's automotive business came out of a bit left field for Tesla. The first is the announcement of the Tesla robot. I don't know if you remember seeing that a few months ago, Dan, where Elon Musk on stage and showcased the new Tesla robot that they were looking to build. Comes a bit left field because the Tesla robot wasn't really in any of Tesla's prior calls. It's not mentioned Elon's master plan, which we detailed out in our Tesla episode. So when Tesla came out looking to produce uh, domestic help in the form of a robot, took everyone by a pretty big surprise. The second is more of a comment on Elon than Tesla, but Tesla's initial announcement this year to accept Bitcoin, which then drove the price of Bitcoin up. Obviously, Elon being... Uh, technologist loves Bitcoin, loves cryptocurrency. And then when he was reminded of the fact that actually mining Bitcoin is very energy intensive and doesn't really fit the ethos of net zero that Tesla pushed out, he then retracted his statement, which then caused Bitcoin to drop significantly. I think uh, his retraction caused Bitcoin to drop by 10 to 15% around that time. Uh, so really, those are the two big things that don't necessarily touch upon Tesla's core business that happened in 2021. Well, I think there was something that was really quite significant that happened um, only about a month ago, 
Uh, and it's actually what pushed Tesla's stock price to a bit over $1,000, which was the announcement by Hertz, you know, the global rental car company, that it would be purchasing about 100,000 Tesla Model 3 sedans by the end of 2022 uh, for their fleet. And this is, you know, when we talk, I think we, you've done a couple of simple sprouts using Tesla as a bit of an example. And one of them is the direct-to-consumer model where Tesla for so long has been about me as a consumer. Obviously, I can go into their beautiful, um, nice, sleek storefronts to check out a Tesla, but I can just as easily go onto their website and almost like I'm shopping for a T-shirt, add a Tesla to my cart and check out and and pre-order it essentially. Um, A very direct-to-consumer model, but really where the scale is going to come in is when you start having the Hertz, the rental car companies, you start having maybe the Ubers or the rideshare companies start buying thousands and hundreds and thousands of these vehicles to use in their fleets. And that's where you're going to really get economies of scale flowing into the business. So I think that was a really significant event for Tesla that's going to become sort of mainstream. And now that Hertz has got Teslas, you'd imagine it'll be par for the course that all other rental car companies have teslas in their fleet agree agree and this is perfect timing as tesla started to ramp up at its gigafactory in austin when this came out because not only does does this put tesla in a really great position to then sell you know a hundred thousand more tesla vehicles which is what 10 percent of what they produce on a year which is incredible concentration um for one customer but it also means that they can manufacture them. Like if this news came out a year ago or two years ago, people would be joking saying Tesla wouldn't have the manufacturing capacity to do a deal like this. Uh, they wouldn't be able to produce cars that successfully. Uh, and, and so the fact that Tesla have done this and in 2021 have managed to ramp up their gigafactory to produce cars at scale uh, bodes really well for what Tesla can do in 2022. Just on a probably more competitive note, like, how much do you think this is driven by um, the Rivian Amazon deal? So, for context, I think we, we talked about Rivian during our, our Tesla episode. Rivian is a producer of electric vehicles. They went public recently, and they went public on a hand on a deal that they have with Amazon to produce electric vehicles solely for Amazon for a number of years exclusively. And so, they're kind of that first B two B EV provider. Now, Tesla around the same time came out with their B2B sales channel with Hertz. I, I wonder if this is something that just a coincidence, or as Tesla got wind of this deal with Rivian and Amazon, that they started to search for other B2B avenues and will continue to do so. I, I don't, uh, well, I, I do think it was coincidental to a certain extent. And, and by that, I mean, you know, these decisions, when you're talking about a car purchase for hundreds, hundreds of thousands of vehicles, this would be something that they've internally, as a good business, would have had in the works for a while, would have been planning to for a while, would have, I mean, as we started to break down businesses, Albert, you can really start to see the mechanics because, I mean, years ago, they would have hired an employee whose job it is to be a sales rep to B2B businesses. So, like, I, I would find it incredibly unlikely that it would have sort of been a spur of the moment, like, oh, Amazon just announced this, we've got to do it as well. This, there would have been a, a long sort of pipeline building up to this. You never know, though, because almost a year ago, Hertz went bankrupt. 
Well, I was about to say caveat to that. You never know because uh, in Australia, we're quite um, knowledgeable of what Elon Musk sending a tweet saying, I'll build your, your batteries in South Australia. And if it's not done within what, like a year, you get them for free. So that there can be those snap decisions, obviously. But for, for something which I see as being fairly integral to the future of the business and the way they're going to um, sell going forward, I, I think it's unlikely that they didn't have a view of this. Uh, several months or even years ago. But what I would say, and, and this is why I said it's coincidental to a certain extent, I think it just shows goes to show that the market is now ripe for B2B plays. Like, I don't think there was any pressure five years ago for the rental companies to have stocks of electric vehicles in their fleet because they weren't customers sort of going to the front desk at the reception and saying, I really want an electric vehicle for my holiday as I'm driving around on this road trip and I'm going to go to a competitor if you don't have this vehicle. Now, I think there are those market conditions. And so to that extent, it's you know, it, it's coincidental because now I think other players in the market are all thinking the same thing, which is now the time is right for these B2B players. Yeah, it's interesting um, because there, there, there is a good precedent now for a lot of B2B EV plays. And there's a few big startups now in Australia and overseas who've started to do this by manufacturing uh, scooters, bikes, etc., and providing them to delivery companies. So it seems like a natural place to play for EV companies to do that as well. <laughs> Just on the Hertz deal, though, it's funny because Elon has a self-destructive streak and he did tweet <laughs> uh, talking about the Hertz deal and saying that the contract hadn't been signed. So, <laughs> so funny when Elon does things like this, um, like saying he was going to tweet, uh, he was going to sell 10% of his, his shares to avoid tax. Um, he does say some strange things, Elon. As you can do when you're a billionaire. I exactly, suppose, exactly, exactly. Um, but let's, as we sort of flagged at the top, let's start talking about competitors. And the one I wanted to get into a little bit more depth is Ford Motors because, um, you know, as I suggested, they've had a really bumper year, which is essentially on the, the back of about a year and a half ago, they switched CEOs. You know, their COO got elevated up and their previous CEO got, got ditched. And this is probably about their third cycle of trying to bring in a CEO who's meant to turn around the stagnation of the company. The difference being this guy seems to, to actually be doing it uh, and seems to be turning things around. And you'd think it's blindingly obvious, but it's, it's based on this uh, Ford Plus plan that he has, uh, which is all about turning around its operations, expanding into emerging markets uh, and, you know, starting to take advantage of things like connected vehicles, subscription services, basically the, the playbook that Tesla's been running for a couple of years now. Uh, what do you see in the competitive landscape for Tesla? I think it's only getting more competitive is like the best summary to put it. You know, a number of years ago, Tesla were really the only players in the EV space with a handful of other manufacturers and now you can pull up a list of EVs that are coming out in 2022 and see names like Volkswagen, Nissan, etc. You also see new players like NIO, the Chinese company you talked about, and then Japanese manufacturers also who can manufacture at scale, Hyundai, Toyota, Honda, etc. And so the 
competitive landscape for EVs are becoming a lot more competitive, but the caveat to this is can they produce them at scale, which a lot of these companies can't yet do. And there are a number of kind of bottlenecks that restrict a lot of these companies from doing this. First is battery technology and access to batteries. And the second is manufacturing EV vehicles, obviously very difficult to manufacturing a regular vehicle. So, you know, Ford have a slate of EVs that they're looking to put out and only a few of them will come out in 2022. They've announced a bunch of things like the Ford Ranger, which is their classic four-wheel drive, but that probably won't be an electric vehicle but until 2030 is what Ford are estimating that to be, um, where they're phasing from internal combustion engines to hybrids to EVs. Although, funnily enough, the Mustang could be an EV by this year or next year, depending on manufacturing. So the competitive landscape is becoming a lot more competitive from a product offering perspective, but from how it plays out in market, I think the tailwinds are probably still in Tesla's favour. I think they might be, but let's let's play with that question a little bit because I think when we talk about the competitive landscape, yes, it's getting more competitive and that's maybe a 2D way of looking at it. But let's go deeper. Let's look at this through a couple of different lenses. And what came to mind for me was now talking about the pandemic, you know, you see in the news, we've really changed from a discussion about case numbers to now discussion more about hospitalization rates. And that's just because the the landscape's changed. Most people are vaccinated. So now we've got to look at different metrics. And when I use that analogy to the car market and the electric vehicle market, I'm starting to wonder, Albert, are we about to hit the point where it's actually less about supply and more about the competitive advantages that some of these vehicles have against each other? Because now let's say that there are enough cars for the market because it's not just Tesla. We're talking about now there's there's all these brands which have electric vehicle options for a consumer. So now there's going to be electric vehicles left in the lot. They're going to be electric vehicles at the store which just don't get sold because others are getting bought instead. In this new marketplace for 2022, how is Tesla built to succeed? I think it still wins. Like if you're asking about how Tesla wins against others in the market, if there are no players in the market because they can't manufacture them at scale, they're not available, and Tesla can pump out a million cars, which is more than anyone else can at the moment, then absolutely Tesla still wins because they've just got availability. But that's in the next 12 months, right? That's what you're asking. In 2022. No, no, no. no. What What I'm saying, Albert, is... It's not that they've, there's, it's not like demand for electric vehicles is a million and Tesla's supplying a million. It's like demand for electric vehicles is a million. Tesla's supplying, you know, 200,000. Ford supplying, supplying 200,000. Volkswagen, 200,000. There's actually 2 million available electric vehicles, but only 1 million are going to get bought. Why do we think Tesla's are the ones which, which are going to go off the shelf before their competitors? Because previously they didn't have to be as competitive on price because there weren't competitors in the marketplace. You know, previously they didn't have to have shorter delivery times because customers were willing to wait. But now there's there's actually a choice where customers can say, 
I don't want to pay $50,000 for a Tesla. I want to pay $30,000 for an EV. I don't want to wait six months for my car to come. I want to get it in the next month. You know, these are choices which now will affect Tesla. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think when it boils down to it, you know, the EV, if, like, let's look at kind of the Australian market. You know, the cheapest EV will probably set you back like 40K and a Tesla in Australia is about double that. So, you know, Tesla is not the cheapest option. There are a lot of other options. Audi, they've got some. MG, Hyundai, et cetera, Nissan, Nissan Leaf, um, which you can buy, you know, for relatively cheap, cheap in the scale of <laughs> electric vehicles. They're not cheap like a first car you buy for a 16-year-old or whatever. Um, and so I think it just comes down to consumer preference. And some people do just want to buy a cheap car. And so if you're looking to compete on price, which Tesla's not, like Tesla are going to lose the consumer who just want the cheapest car that fits an EV. But if you're really playing where Tesla plays, which is a more premium car, and the origins of Tesla is a sports car, people want a nice car and they want an EV, they're probably going to choose a Tesla. Mm. And I think that that's sort of what I was prompting towards and where my mind's heading is this idea that as in investors, if you're interested in Tesla and you're sort of watching their growth, you're, you're going to have to start being comfortable with the metric of market share going down. Because Tesla used to have a market share in the EV market of like 100%. And now, even in, in Europe, you know, they're starting to break into being one of the most well-liked cars generally, not just an EV car specifically. But you're, you're just going to have to become comfortable with the fact that they're their total proportion of EV sales is going to go down as new competitors come in, like the Fords of the world. But the hope is that generally more people are buying EVs so that even though their share goes down, they're still in net terms producing more and more year after year. Um, and, and just to put some numbers behind that, for Australia, there's only about 18,500 sales of, of EV cars. Uh, in a year, and Tesla is uh, just about half of those at the moment. So I expect that their proportion is going to go down. So they're no longer going to be about 50%, maybe about, about 30 or 40%. But the total amount of sales in Australia is going to be far more than 18,000 in the next year or two. And that's going to make up the difference. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think if I go back to your original question, though, about like competitive advantage when you're choosing between one car or another car. I think I don't think it's going to be battery because I think battery technology is going to get commoditized. Like battery technology favors Tesla now and maybe it'll favor Tesla next year. But in 3 to 5 years time, 10 years time, battery technology does get commoditized. Like Apple are always praised for their battery, but their battery isn't substantially different from, you know, Samsung or LG's battery, etc. The other component to evs is charging and tesla at the moment have a really high penetration in charging stations around australia because they were just the first mover and that's true for other places around the world but particularly in australia where the ev market isn't as mature as say the us and so if you're looking to buy an ev and you're thinking about where you charge your ev you can charge a non-tesla ev at a tesla charging station but you have to pay money to do that. And so are you going to have to worry about the cost of 
charging if you're going to buy a car and factor that in, in the same way that you'd factor in petrol when you're trying to buy a, a regular combustion engine car versus an EV to understand the price difference over a long period of time. I think because Tesla have the infrastructure, I, I still think they're going to be competitive even next year and in years to come against Volkswagens, the Fords, etc. just because they were much faster. Yeah, I think that's a great call out because it, to me it's not necessarily that they were faster because there's lots of examples I think of markets and companies where there was a first mover advantage but Tesla has clearly done something with their first mover advantage which will benefit them long term. So I think that's a really good call out. But Albert, maybe let's move away from competitors and just sort of crystal ball gaze into 2022. Do you have some predictions for Tesla next year? Yeah, the big one for me is their continued investment in AI. Now, when we talked about Lucid, we talked about the different types of autonomous vehicle driving, whether some use LiDAR and some use vision. Tesla now are going all in on vision. Elon Musk quoted, if a human can drive with two eyes, then a Tesla car can drive with only cameras. So they've stripped out a lot of the sensors that they've built around a car uh, as part of their autonomous vehicles and a focus purely on vision, that is they've got cameras around a car that take in different pieces of information and then process that information. And Tesla's got an open call out for anyone in AI and machine learning, data scientists, statisticians, data engineers, etc. I think where Tesla's going to go again, which is what their their future roadmap looks like, and they've been very public with this, is autonomous vehicles. And I think you can expect to see Tesla make a big announcement about autonomous vehicles next year. That is a good one. I think along the same way of thinking, there's a couple of um, launches, for lack of a better word, uh, in the second half of 2022 to look out for. They've already been announced. They're things like the... Tesla semi truck and cyber truck, which already have pre orders. They've already been announced, but they're expected to start production later next year. So I think that's another feather in their bow to look out for, which should hopefully differentiate their product offering a little bit more to bring in more customers. Uh, likewise, they're scaling the production of the 4680 batteries, which they have. They're essentially bigger, easier to produce, easier to assemble and attached to the Tesla vehicle, which just means it's going to reduce the overall cost of manufacturing the vehicle, which would help with Tesla's margins uh, later in 2022. But one of the things that I, I wanted to particularly call out was the EV tax credit in the United States. Like Tesla by far is an American company. It Most of its sales are in America and China. But particularly in America, there's a tax subsidy which wasn't legislated this year and will now probably come in next year where essentially anyone who buys a Tesla will get about $8,000 less on the purchase price. That will be across the board for all EVs, not just Teslas, but for a market leader like Tesla, you can expect that that's really going to help them uh, over some of their, their other competitors. Yeah, interesting. I completely forgot about that, and we did talk about that in that episode. Do they have an equivalent here in Australia? I haven't really um, looked into it. I know they do have different EV subsidies or solar subsidies. They do not. And one of the interesting things, so for our Australian listeners, if you're wondering if we're going to get, because at the moment we only have the Model 3 in uh, Australia, 
if you're wondering why we don't have different models, etc., Australia has one of the worst sort of legislative environments for Teslas. Uh, oh, sorry, not for Teslas, for EVs generally. So a lot of EV producers, not just Teslas, uh, have actually diverted away some of their models from Australia because as supplies is a little bit constrained at the moment, they're just pushing it to other more what would you call it, like high growth markets like Europe, like America, like China. Uh, and Australia is going to pick up some of the the leftovers by the looks of things, which isn't great news. Love that for us. Is there? I, I, I don't know anything about manufacturing cars, so I'm speaking out of my depth here. If you could only manufacture a million cars a year, is there a challenge where you'd only allocate Australia with a very small proportion because the steering wheel's on the other side? So to manufacture cars for Australia <laughs> requires like a tiny bit more engineering, whereas you can't do exactly the same production for Australian cars. So, like, why would you go to the effort of selling cars in Australia when there's a tiny extra bit of production? It might be the case. Well, also, I also know um, sales tax for cars in Australia is, is very, very high. Um, so, I think, you know, if you were to purchase a Porsche or any of these sort of European cars, they get whacked of a huge sales tax um, because Australia, until, you know, maybe the last 10 years or so, actually manufactured cars so they had very protectionist regimes and taxes over imported vehicles which remain today even though we don't have any more factories it's just you know one of the legacies of that yeah interesting um i think we're probably at um all we wanted to talk about dan was there anything else you wanted to kind of spitball out about tesla where it was going in 2021 how it's performed and where it could go next year no, I think that's about it. I mean, what I really would encourage listeners to take away from from this one is when you're looking at Tesla for 2022, um, really it is about total sales, not about market share. Uh, and when some of the things that will impact that are those product product launches I talked about, are the tax subsidies uh, I talked about, um, but also you know some of their factories. So Albert, you mentioned that they're Austin, Texas. Headquarters factories just sort of opened up, which will increase capacity. There's big plans for the Shanghai factory to really start ramping up. But likewise, their Berlin factory is meant to be up for several months now, still hasn't got across the line with some red tape and other issues. You know, if that still keeps getting held up, then that will impact the, the amount that they can manufacture and deliver in 2022 too. Yeah, and, you know, with Omicron kind of circling the globe now, it'll be interesting to see whether there are further supply chain shortages that then restricts how much Tesla and other EV manufacturers can sell in 2022. But, you know, this entire market is hot and all boats rise in a hot market, so I can see Tesla and other EV manufacturers performing really well in the coming year. Very good. Well, Albert, let's wrap it up there. Thank you for listening to Fresh Capital, a podcast about companies and investing told in a refreshingly simple way. You would have noticed there's this new feature on Spotify where you can rate us five stars. So if this is where you're listening to our pod, find it and please give us five stars. It really helps us out. Happy New Year. That's when this is going to drop. So I hope you look forward to the next year and you spend it listening to Fresh Cap again. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week, we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn how companies operate and how investing works. 
Just a reminder, all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Fresh Capital are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any opinions expressed in the show are not recommendations or advice. Please consult a licensed financial professional before you jump in. As always, we look forward to seeing you next week. See ya.